from the University of Texas at Austin, KUT Radio. This is In Black America. Unfortunately, there there are, are really very few early signs. When you when a man sees a urologist, he'll be asked questions about his urinary function, and if he has a lot of trouble with frequency and poor stream and difficulty emptying the bladder, men worry that that's a sign of prostate cancer. It is not. It's a sign of an enlarging prostate. It can be, but that would be very very unusual. The signs of prostate cancer, if we can attribute them to prostate cancer, unfortunately are late signs when it has spread throughout the body or has spread locally in the pelvis, causing pain in the pelvis or bone pain. So unfortunately, there are no early signs that can alert a man that he might see a urologist. The the best way to do that is through that blood test called the PSA or prostate-specific antigen. You know, an antigen is a protein made by various uh, structures in the body, and the prostate gland makes uh, this substance that's strictly specific for the prostate. Dr. Brian J. Miles, board-certified urologist with Houston Methodist Hospital. In this country, one in six men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer in their lifetime. Yearly, nearly 30,000 men will die from prostate cancer, African-American men have nearly twice the risk of dying from prostate cancer as all other ethnicities. Various treatment options are now available for prostate cancer, each with its own benefits, especially for high-grade cancers, while observation called watchful waiting may be more appropriate for low-grade cancers, elderly patients, or patients with other medical conditions. One of those treatments is high-intensity focused ultrasound or HIFU. HIFU allows a patient to keep their prostate intact, keep a healthy sex life, and maintain an active lifestyle. The procedure entails a surgeon using sound waves directed at the cancer cells. I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr., and welcome to another edition of In Black America. On this week's program, high-intensity focused ultrasound with Dr. Brian J. Miles and Victor Murray in Black America. Oh, I have annual physicals with my health plan and, and every year that's one of the the checks and over the years um, my PSA was below I guess the, the threshold you know it was one point something or two point something it's just I um, mean the last year that it rose to five and at that point my internal medicine a uh, physician suggested that I go see a urologist. I did not have a urologist at all. That's the first time I've had an opportunity to, or a need to even think of one. So I went to my plan urologist, a urologist, and he gave me some options as to what would the, the next step would be. Victor Murray, a prostate cancer patient who has undergone the high-intensity focused ultrasound procedure. The high-intensity focused ultrasound procedure is a new technique approved by the FDA to remove prostate tissue. This procedure is less invasive, and the recovery time is much quicker. HIFU uses high-frequency sound waves targeted at the area of cancer cells. The waves create heat that damage the cancer cells. In 2003, Dr. Brian Murray began using this procedure. He has performed over 3,000 surgeries of this type. Victor Murray, a NASA engineer for more than 50 years, says this was the best option for his prostate cancer. 
Not all prostate cancer patients can receive this treatment. It depends on a number of factors. Your physician will determine the best options you have. Recently in Black America spoke with Victor Murray and urologist Dr. Brian Miles. My background is I was actually born in Ireland, moved to Detroit when I was eight years old. My father wanted to get over to the United States. He was an iron worker, a construction worker. And so I grew up in the Detroit area, went to Michigan State University and University of Michigan, and uh, stayed at Henry Ford Hospital and Detroit Hospital for a few years before being recruited down here to Baylor University and eventually over to Methodist, where I am now. So I've been a urologist for over 25 years and uh, love every day of it. And I'd like to work 50 years if uh, if my brain st- stays as good as Mr. Mr. Murray. So, what initially attracted you to urology? Um, well, basically uh, a couple of things. One, uh, and you quickly know in medical school whether you're going to be a surgeon or not, and and then urology. I like the uh, the various types of surgery we could do. And urology has always been a little technologically advanced. We we had the first scopes that were used in human beings. We were the first to use the robot the robot for uh, radical prostatectomies for cancer. We just do a lot of interesting things. And finally, it's a nice blend of medicine and surgery. You know, most surgeons will do the surgery and then their patient uh, moves on and they never see them again. In urology, we're kind of like gynecologists in that, uh, like Mr. Murray, I will see him for as long as I continue to work and he continues to want to come up here. We, We follow our patients for life if they want to come with us so that we develop a long rapport with patients. We become, in some ways, like primary care docs. Uh, so we're, uh, I, I like that blend of the clinic and getting close to the patients and staying close to them and yet being able to go to the operating room and doing something technical and uh, uh, doing a little more for the patient than just giving them medications. Uh, Mr. Murray, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Barbados and left there when I was 19 years old. Joined my mother in New York, and shortly thereafter, I joined the Air Force. I spent four years in the Air Force, and after leaving the Air Force, I moved, stayed in California where I was stationed at Edwards. And um, then in 1968, I was offered a job um, at NASA um, as a technician. Um, I worked in the Air Force in pressure suits and parachutes and physiological training, which we train our pilots in altitude chambers to um, to deal with the hazards of working at altitude. And after going to school part-time uh, at JSC, I got my undergraduate from University of Houston in technical education and then got my master's from the University of Texas in the Medical Center in Occupational Health. And... I've been working in safety for several different contractors, Lockheed Martin, Brown Root Northrop, and now Jacobs Barrios. What initially attracted you to uh, what you do? 
being in the military, that was a career field I had, working around planes and, and, and personnel in, in flying environments. So my ability to work with pressure suits just fit the bill at NASA with the space program and the astronaut. So um, one of my officers in the Air Force had a job as a manager with with Brown Root, and he recruited me to come to Houston, and I've been here ever since. Dr. Miles, what is the function of the prostate? Well, the prostate is what we call an accessory sex gland. What it does is it produces seminal fluid. <clears throat> so the testicles produce sperm, the prostate, and what are called the seminal vesicles, which are kind of attached to the prostate, produce the seminal fluid that men ejaculate. Basically, 90% of seminal fluid comes from the prostate and seminal vesicles, a very small portion from the testicles. That seminal fluid is what allows the sperm to stay in, uh, in a nice uh, grouping that allows them to move up the uh, female birth canal and to fertilize the egg. So it, it's an accessory sex gland that makes fluid that the sperm swim in, and the uh, uh, the energy source for sperm comes from the seminal vesicles. They make a, a sugar called fructose, uh, which only sperm can use. It's not, uh, it's not a sugar that humans can use in any other way. What are some of the signs and symptoms of prostate cancer? Well, unfor- unfortunately, there, there are, are really very few early signs. When, you, when a man sees a urologist, he'll be asked questions about his urinary function and if he has a lot of trouble with frequency and poor stream and difficulty emptying the bladder, men worry that that's a sign of prostate cancer. It is not. It's a sign of an enlarging prostate. It can be, but that would be very very unusual. The signs of prostate cancer, if we can attribute them to prostate cancer, unfortunately are late signs when it has spread throughout the body or has spread locally in the pelvis, causing pain in the pelvis or bone pain. So unfortunately, there are no early signs that can alert a man that he might see a urologist. The the best way to do that is through that blood test called the PSA or prostate-specific antigen. You know, an antigen is a protein made by various uh, structures in the body, and the, the prostate gland makes... Uh, this substance that's strictly specific for the prostate. It has a function. It, it helps liquefy semen, but it, it is the best way to know whether you have the possibility of having prostate cancer. We see these commercials on TV about certain medications over the counter that you can take. Are these supplements doing what they say they can do? You know that uh, John, that's a, a good question. The answer is, in general, no. In general, these substances have little effect on the prostate. They are marketed as a prostate health uh, agent. They contain minerals, various vitamins, and sometimes a uh, an herbal thing called saw palmetto or ginseng. And there's no question some men notice a difference in their urinary function when they take these, and that's fine. If they notice a difference, I don't care whether it's placebo effect or whether it's a real effect on the prostate, it's okay to take that as long as they can afford it. If if we're looking at prostate cancer specifically, 
it does not have <clears throat> any beneficial effect there at all. The notion that I might have prostate cancer, I'll put myself on one of these supplements and that'll help, it won't. The best thing to do is find out if you have it. And you know, as you probably know, uh, there are a number of prostate cancers that we can follow closely without actually treating them, um, but these supplements will not help. Mr. Murray, when did you get your first prostate screening or that test? Oh, I have annual physicals with my health plan, and, and every year that's one of the the checks. And over the years, my PSA was below, I guess, the threshold, you know, is one point something or two point something. It's just that I'm in the last year that it rose to five. And at that point, my internal medicine uh, physician suggested that I go see a urologist. I did not have a urologist at, at all. That's the first time I've had an opportunity to, or a need to even think of one. So I went to my plan urologist, and he gave me some options as to what would the, the next step would be. I'm kind of a person who, extrovert, who likes to talk about my problems or issues with all my friends, and I was talking to one of my friends um, in the gym and told him that my level was up, and he said, well, I'd been on a cruise, and I saw this thing where... Um, you going and, and you have your prostate taken care of and you, you go shopping in the afternoon. He said, probably it's not done in the United States, but it's probably done in Bermuda. And I, I looked, I thought about that. And then another one of my golfing buddies, he said he'd had the surgery 10 years ago from Dr. Miles and that he, he highly recommended him. So I asked my care physician urologist for a second opinion. So at that time, then I got, I chose to visit with Dr. Miles and talk about my condition. And he then ran the specific tests and we determined that I was a candidate for the HIFU. If you're just joining us, I'm Johnny O. Henson Jr. And you're listening to In Black America from KUT Radio. We're speaking with Dr. Brian J. Mal, a urologist at Houston Methodist Hospital in Houston, Texas, of course and a prostate patient, Victor Murray. Dr. Miles, tell us about this high-intensity focused ultrasound. Well, um, it's in the United States, it is the newest uh, treatment option that we've been able to add to our uh, armamentarium or repertoire that we can offer to men. It, I will say it's been used in Europe for decades over 50,000 men of your, in Europe have been treated with this with good long-term results as far as cancer control. And honestly, uh, the, you know, the problem with treating prostate cancer is always the concerns about the side effects. Uh, primarily, we always worry about impotence, uh, having a trouble getting an erection, or trouble controlling the urine completely. HIFU is a very low risk of uh, uh, urinary leakage issues, and it uh, has a very acceptable risk of uh, impotence comparable to to surgery. And so it uh, it's, it's a good option for men who don't want radiation and really don't want to go through major surgery to remove the prostate. How it, it, it works is the way I like to describe it for men in my office is 
when when you were a kid and you got a hold of a magnifying glass, you know, you're out on a sunny day and you take that magnifying glass and you focus the sun's rays on a piece of paper or some dry leaves, you can start a fire, right? Right. At the same time, if you just put your hand uh, not under the under the magnifying glass, just in the sun, it's warm, but it doesn't burn you like it did the uh, the leaves or the paper. And that's because you really were able to focus those sun rays into a powerful beam. Well, the same thing with ultrasound. You know, when when you ultrasounds like radar or sonar, it passes sound waves over the body, and those are reflected back so we get an image. Well, the high-intensity part of this, it's 10,000 times as powerful. So it, though it is an energy source, you know, those sound waves provide energy, um, just like a, a sound barrier can break glass. That energy is converted to heat in the body. And so through the rectal wall, we can focus those sound waves on the prostate. And where those sound waves are focused, you're going to get an area of tissue destruction. It takes it up to 85 degrees centigrade, you know, about uh, 185, 190 uh, degrees Fahrenheit. uh, Fahrenheit. And uh, so it causes tissue destruction. So we treat the whole prostate. We do it little by little because it takes a couple hours to do this. But it's it's very safe. It's very focused. We can we can focus it on the on the prostate. We can see where the nerves that help erections are, so we can try and avoid them. And uh, and it's, an, it's again it's an outpatient procedure. And I think Mr. Murray can tell you there's really no pain associated with it. There's just the annoyance of having a catheter in your bladder. And and, and John, I would add that um, the federal uh, drug, I mean, the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, has just approved a new version of this machine that uh, we use through through EDAP, is uh, the French company that makes it, and they're based in Austin. They uh, have made one that's, that's more focused, so I can outline areas of concern and just treat those areas as opposed to maybe treating the whole gland. It's, it's really kind of unique technology, but it, it, uh, it's a great option to give to men uh, to manage prostate cancer that we haven't had before. Does insurance cover this procedure? Ah, very good question. Medicare covers it, but at, at this point in time, private health insurance does not. So it's, uh, it's not inexpensive. Uh, it uh, costs $25,000 in most centers that, that are offering it in the country. That's fairly standard. If you don't have insurance, some some healthcare providers are uh, are looking at this, like United Healthcare and the Blues, are, are looking at this because it's a good therapy, and it's uh, uh, compared to other treatment options, it's certainly no more expensive, and in many cases less expensive. So, I honestly expect within the next few months that we'll see more uh, more of the private carriers impro- approving this. Are there any advocacy afoot to, you know, push this along to have insurance company really consider this as an alternative treatment? Um, other than myself and the American, <laughs> the American Urological Association is uh, is looking to do that. No, I th- I think what we need are more patient advocacy groups like us too, which is a national 
a support group for prostate cancer patients. <clears throat> I'd love to see the African-American community step forward. I take care of a lot of pro football players uh, who've retired. And, you know, I think through the uh, Retired Football Players Association, these sorts of organizations, uh, I think, can help us push from a different angle, the patient point of view, as a po and uh, my professional organization, the American Urological Association, sort of nudging the, the organizations forward because, you know, they always tend to be reluctant to pay for anything that they can avoid paying for. Mr. Murray, were you somewhat reluctant about this procedure going in? When I looked at all the options, um, <clears throat> I was a candidate for radiation. If I had taken radiation, it's several visits. The high food was one visit, hour and a half. I, I was back. I, I went to surgery at 8 o'clock in the morning. I was back home by 1.30. End of story. The, the, the cure, uh, my couple of times I've had my PSA, now they're down to 0.2, which is good. Um, there have been some other issues, but as far as the cancer itself, that one and a half always took care of it. And I was always I always wanted to have the non-invasive, one-time treatment kind of a an approach. So when I found out that it was being done in Houston and not in Cancun or Canada or somewhere else, that was a plus for me. That way I don't have to worry about. I can always run back to Memphis Hospital if something went wrong. So that that was the kicker for me. And I, the insurance didn't cover it, but I didn't care. I thought, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to pay for. So I did it out of my pocket. Any side effects? There are side effects. It's a surgery. I, I told my boss I was going to be back to work in three days. Of course, I was thinking I could get back on the golf course or wherever, but the realization is any surgery you have is a surgery, so you do have to respect the difference. And there was some swelling, apparently um, affected my urine flow, so I'll go a week with a catheter, remove the catheter, um, I'll have good urine flow, and then all of a sudden, say, after seven days, after 28 days, I had issues where it stopped completely. And then I got up with Dr. Miles, and he took a look at the bladder, and he did some ancillary procedures. He had to widen the, the gap from the bladder to the urethra. And after that procedure, um, I'm, I'm doing well as far as the urine is concerned. As far as the sexual issues are concerned, I'm still working on that. I understand. Dr. Miles, when does... A man needs to start having his PSA checked. Well, there's uh, different, uh, this is Dr. Miles again, the different camps will tell you different things, but for African-American men, uh, I believe they should start getting tested at age 40. Some groups like the American Cancer Society will suggest age 45. And that's just because for African-American men and men with a family history of prostate cancer, you have the highest risk for getting prostate cancer. And unfortunately, uh, the, the highest risk of dying of prostate cancer in the world, uh, and it's not because the disease tends to be more aggressive in African-American men. I think it is in many ways a reflection in, in the past of access to health care. If you look at, like, Mr. Murray in the Air Force, 
some good papers from the military that equal access to health care and requirements to get periodic physicals in the military. The incidence of prostate cancer is higher in African-American men, but the cure rate, the mortality rate is exactly the same in the military where they have good care for all. For in the community, though, it's it's much higher mortality rate, and we're seeing this, and it has something to do most likely with the uh, African uh, genetic component of African-American men because in Africa now, many countries are having better health care and doing PSA testing now, and they're having an absolute epidemic of prostate cancer. I think Nigeria will be number one in the world for the incidence of prostate cancer in the future. And uh, they still have problems with mortality in Africa. For every 1.3 man who's found, men found with prostate cancer, one dies. In general, there are some a little better in some countries, but in general, uh, 1.3, 1.5 new cases, one man will die of it. United States, seven to eight new cases, one man may die of it. So it's a uh, uh, it's something that you're going to see a lot more of in Africa, but for African-American men listening to this show, start getting tested at age 40, um, and if biopsies are required, I think Mr. Murray can tell you that uh, it's never pleasant, but it's not, it's not painful and it's not bad uh, to undergo. Uh, Mr. Murray has stated that he, you know, get a regular annual physical. I would assume that at some age... 40, 45, or 50, when one does go in for annual physical, that this will be a part of that process. Is that the case? It should be. It should be, and if not, they need to ask for it? That's correct. That's absolutely correct. It should be. It's an important part of the physical evaluation for the aging male, and um, it, it can be the difference between life and death. Is there any particular enzyme that causes the prostate to enlarge? Boy, if I knew the answer to that, John, I would win myself a Nobel Prize. <laughs> this, it, is, it, is, it is certainly a process. All aging, all of us guys as we get older will get an enlarged prostate, or veritably all men, and we don't know why. It, it undoubtedly has something to do with the fact that as we get older, our testosterone levels begin to decrease, and uh, it's something called the estrogen-testosterone ratio. You know, women have a little bit of male hormone. Men have a little bit of uh, female hormone because male hormone gets translated or or changed into a little bit of female hormone in the fat and, and liver and lung. And women, female hormone gets translated into or transformed into a, a male-like hormone. If you upset the balance between testosterone and female hormone estrogen, in this case it's estradiol, there's a lot of evidence that that has a role to play in the enlarging prostate. But we do not have the definitive answer, um, and it happens to all guys, so don't worry about it. Um, uh, And it's interesting, the larger the prostate, the lower the ejaculatory volume. When men have an orgasm, when they're older, they may notice that they don't, seem to make as much seminal fluid, and you'd think a bigger prostate would make more of that, but it doesn't. It makes less. If one does have an enlarged prostate, does that automatically equate to prostate cancer? Great question, and the answer is no. Dr. Brian J. Miles and Victor Murray.
If you have questions, comments, or suggestions as to future In Black America programs, email us at inblackamerica at kut.org. Also, let us know what radio station you heard is over. Remember to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station or of the University of Texas at Austin. You can hear previous programs online at kut.org. Until we have the opportunity again for technical producer David Alvarez, I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us again next week. CD copies of this program are available and may be purchased by writing In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. That's In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. This has been a production of KUT Radio. I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr. Join us this week on In Black America. In the United States, it is the newest treatment option that we've been able to add to our armamentarium or repertoire that we can offer to men. Over 50,000 men in Europe have been treated with this with good long-term results as far as cancer control. High-intensity focused ultrasound with Dr. Brian Miles and Victor Murray this week on In Black America.